You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome in to the latest edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City, where if there's one yard to go, we always go shotgun. Alongside Josh Taylor, Chris Mack, Craig Finley producing, and we've got you covered today. We'll break down everything Mike Tomlin had to say during his Tuesday press conference. Get it, because it's fourth down in Steel City and uh, shot Houston and Pickett and Sack and Hart. Anyway, subscribe. Thank you. That's all the wittiness I I'm, have in me for today. I'm golf clapping, because that was well played. <laughs> subscribe. Nicely done. Follow. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, however you get your podcast, make sure you're doing it. Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, iTunes, and of course, inside your free yes i said it free odyssey app a-u-d-a-c-y download it today all your sports music news and podcasts and of course on youtube where you can see our faces right now if you're watching we appreciate the three thousand or so of you who watched at some point for our post game episode after that ugly loss to the houston golf clapping for you guys now Yes, all of you. Uh, Be sure, if you're checking it out on YouTube, comment, talk to each other. Let's start a little community there if we can. Um, If you're obviously downloading the audio version, then comment, like, whatever you want to do. Let us know. Five stars, preferably, um, because that's good. Um, And we are. this is good. Remember, this is good. Unlike the football we're watching. I'm getting all Lewis Black now, if you're watching me on the YouTube. (laughs) My fingers are just pointing, and I'm getting angry. Um, <laughs> the, the show is good. Unlike the football. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Way too much coffee today. And We've never been off the rails two minutes in. This is a record. No. Well, I figure, you know, live it, shows we have, but like actual yes. taped episodes, not so much. Uh, I figure here's the deal. If we don't laugh, we're going to cry. So that's where my motto at. in life is laugh or you'll go insane. Exactly. So I get it. So changes, huh? 
You thought there were going to be changes. <laughs> That's cute. Oh, bless. All my friends from the South tell me, oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> if you there's anything there were... I picked up on living in Arkansas for yeah. three years is the bless your heart ain't a blessing, folks. No, not sure at all. It no. might as well mean, oh, you fool. What were you thinking? No, we knew there weren't going to be changes. Seismic, sizable, even in some cases, noticeable changes. And look, exactly. let's be honest. Let's be real honest. If Mike Tomlin had not come out and told you today that the change was going to be a padded practice this week, you, I'll be honest, I wouldn't have noticed. I might have gone to practice on Wednesday and said, oh, they've got pads on. Okay, interesting. They're allowed to do that once a week. Um, nobody would have thought of it. But that's his quote-unquote change because they got out physical uh, again for the third time in four games, despite being two and two. They got pushed and shoved around in the trenches, Josh. And so that's it. That's pads, which they're only allowed to do one day anyway because of the CBA. Here's where we call back to our post-game discussion. Mm -hmm. And the thought of changes was brought up. And we both said the same thing. We didn't expect anything to be that seismic. No, we didn't expect not. this. We didn't expect it to be that crazy because here's the thing. It's it's one of those things where, you know, I used to tell your parents like half of the truth. <laughs> and they're like, did you do your homework? And you're like, well, I didn't not do it. <laughs> right. I didn't do, you know, all of it. I did. I, I finished some and the, of and it. Then, like, and then mom gives you the look like, is the like, homework what? done, son? And you well, go, go back in that uh, well, room and finish your homework. I, I just, I got one more. Go finish it. Exactly. Like that's, that's exactly what this is. It's like, you're not going to get the entire direct answer, but you knew you were going to get some sliver of a partial answer. And you're like, all right, fine. Maybe it's because we're used to it, Chris. Maybe we just yeah. know what to expect. I mean, cause it is what a decade plus of understanding all of this, but in the same token, I, I will also say this. And Greg and I talked about this off air. This might be the closest to a mea culpa that we ever have gotten publicly from Mike Tomlin. We okay. don't get those often. This I'm not saying that we've seen one, mm -hmm. but this is pretty damn close. It's as close to a mea culpa. It's as close as, as he's ever let us in to his thought process and pretty much admitted, you know what? I made the wrong decision with this and we need to do this because of it. That does not happen any day. You want you to talk about changes? You think he's, that you think is he's, a change. Think, Josh, do you think he's apologizing for Matt Canada at, at large? Oh, no. Or no. do you think he's apologizing no. for fourth and one? I, I don't think he's apologizing for either of those. I think he's apologizing for the fact that his lines got <laughs> smacked in the face in the first half. Okay, That's so, what he's apologizing so, for. So here's the thing then. And, 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 and I'll go down this path with you just a little bit because I think it's <laughs> worth so talking about. <laughs> uh, it, it, if he's apologizing for being out physical, right? Um, I, I can accept that because we talked about it the other day. Like th right. th this is how the team was supposed to be built. Was This is what you said you were going to be. You're going to punch people in the mouth this year, right? Yep. And you got out physical. Well, then don't let the only changes be what are going to happen because of injuries. Like, okay, we get it. Dan Moore's out. He said that to, uh, today. And so Broderick Jones will start at left tackle. Uh, Thank you. Which, yeah, we're, we're fans of to begin with. Um, Pat Fryermuth, doubtful, most likely going to be out as well, which means Darnell Washington is going to be your starting tight end. Again, we appreciate that. Also not complaining. 
No, not at, at all. From the run game standpoint, not complaining. But here's the problem that I have is that on the other side of the ball where you've been just as manhandled at times and you're missing your captain, one of your two captains on that side of the ball, you have not embraced another young guy who should be playing in Keanu Benton. And Keanu Benton, in fact, through in weeks two, three, two and three, saw fewer and increasingly fewer snaps than he did in week one. Now, week four was finally back to the same level where he was week one. But right. all, all, all that aside, this is a young guy who is, is smashing faces when he gets to show up in the run game. And all the credit in the world to, um, I just discovered, I don't know how I just discovered this guy on Twitter a couple days ago, but Derek Steelers underscore DB from Pittsburgh Steelers now. He has good okay. stuff. I've, I've been, he, just, I'm immersing he formerly, myself. He was formerly with like the Sports Illustrated arm of Steelers okay. coverage. And he does great film work. He has good breakdowns. Derek does good stuff. Yes. Uh, fantastic breakdowns. And yeah, I've immersed myself in his breakdowns since Derek, Sunday afternoon. Derek Bell, I believe, is his name. Great okay. Work. But he doesn't have a house... But he doesn't have a houseboat, and he hasn't gone in the operation shutdown yet. Just <laughs> make sure clap. I point that part out. Golf clap for this Derek Bell, since we're doing golf claps today. Yes, indeed. Um, I love May his network. stuff, and he is he, I, 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 he is advocating very strongly for Keanu Benton because he's, he's putting up film. Go to his Twitter, like I said, at once again underscore DB. We've once been again, talking not about complaining. Keanu Benton. Yeah. It, it, so here's the, here's the thing. I understand what you're saying about Mike Tomlin sounding like he's somewhere close, like within it's, maybe it's, a zip it's the closest, code over. It, it, like it's the closest is, equivalent that we're going to get. He is, um, he's, I'm trying to think of how to put this. He is over on the side of Squirrel Hill, Squirrel Hill um, South, like before you go down Browns Hill Road to Homestead, right? I like by, exactly the, where you by are. the beer distributor, right? Yes, he's over they, there. They 85 there. Yes, he's over yeah, there, but he's trying way. to, He's trying to tell people he's in shady side. Like technically, you're only a neighborhood over, but no, you're not in shady away, side. Stop giving away some of our secrets, Chris. <laughs> you're in Squirrel Hill, that, and you're on the you other side of Squirrel that. Hill. So like, I get what you're saying. He's somewhere in the vicinity of saying, "Oops, I screwed up," yeah. but he's not all the way owning it because the only major changes I feel we're gonna see are going to be those ones enacted by injury unless we get They were going to happen anyway. Exactly. Unless we get more Benton and more Porter. And and that's another thing that it seems like it's another thing that he's kind of in the vicinity and the neighborhood of mentioning. And he keeps dropping us that clue of that they're closer and closer to Joey Porter Jr. Because he mentioned the whole, well, Pat, Pat P doesn't practice on Wednesday, so Joey gets those first and second down reps. And he normally mm-hmm. gets third down reps because he's in some package. And it's just like, all right, how long are you going to eat around the edge before yeah. you start getting past the crust and into the actual bread of the sandwich? Because Take a bite. Take a big old that, bite of Joey Porter Jr., please. At this point, you might as well now because you're, you're running out of time and options to do it. And I understand that they had this idea of, especially with the rookies specifically, that they were going to try to bring these guys along slowly and then maybe after the bye week when they get a full two weeks of prep going into a game after the bye where they can really cut loose. I, I understand that that might've been their game plan, but circumstances are changing right now. The, the, the completely, yeah. the complete, the complete picture you saw before the season started has completely changed. They don't have the luxury of doing that right now. And I understand the whole gradual aspect of bringing guys along because that's usually normally what this franchise does. But when you sit in a press conference 
for the second week in a row and mention that opportunities for some young guys are happening because it's being dictated by the availability of the guys ahead of them. So you're pretty much telling us why you should be doing it in the first place. Exactly. Without actually doing it. And this is frustrating for me too, Josh, in that this is the second year in a row that they have tried to ease guys into things. Last year in particular, it was Kenny Pickett not seeing a single first-team snap before they threw him to the Wolves against the Jets in the second half. This year, it's Benton being eased in. It's PZ Jr. being eased in. Uh, Roger Jones didn't even really get eased in. Now he's just been thrown in as well because of an injury. And if if that had worked over the years, like them easing guys in, I'd be okay with it. It would be a proven system. But Cavalli tweeted this earlier on Tuesday. The Steelers haven't had a winning record after four games in five of the past six years. Only year they had it was COVID year 2020 when they started 11 and 0. Um, that means in five of the past six years, they have been either two and two or one and three after the quarter poll. And that's and, including the fact that they've won a couple openers. Right. So they won that, in Cincinnati, they won in Buffalo. That is a sign to me that they're not properly preparing. They're trying to ease into things. And look, even in a 17-game season, you don't have time to screw around. It's the NFL. You can't ease into it. You need to jump in 100 miles an hour, which I think is why we all felt so good about what we saw in the preseason, right? It was like, right, man, they are clicking right now. Everybody's cooking on both sides. And yeah, I get it. It's Tampa and Atlanta, but it was Buffalo. And it was like, right. man, they look good. And, and there were no training wheels. Yes. And then all of a sudden, they come up on the regular season. It's just like... It's like somebody getting to the, the Squirrel Hill tunnels at, at 3.30 on a Friday afternoon. Slam on those brakes. That's the second Squirrel Hill reference in the last five minutes. Oh, man. I'm, I'm having really bad flashbacks of working in Wilkinsburg and having to run into that traffic <laughs> that time same, in the afternoon. Same, same. But, but, I mean, that's, that's just a bad sign, I think, about how they're preparing or maybe more accurately not preparing early in seasons and look early in this game he even admitted they came out soft they came out unprepared for the physicality and that's the kind of stuff that comes back on coaching which is odd because and and it's partially coaching but it's also the players too it's like you know what you're walking into it's not like you're coming showing up at a a a miniature golf like miniature golf event and a football game broke out this isn't a quinceanera right like Be, right. be, be ready to go at it from the get-go. And the thing is, you shouldn't have to be motivated to do that. Now, th- here's one part where you do miss a guy like Cam Hayward. Because a guy like Cam Hayward is one that's like, all right, dudes, we, we ain't come here to paint. You know, to borrow the John L. Smith reference. Mm-hmm. It, you, you should know going in, we're here to hit people in the mouth. And I think that leads to a much bigger point here. And if there's something I took from Mike Tomlin's press conference, if there's something that not even as a fan or as a person who lives in Pittsburgh, but as an observer of just what things, what things look like and what people say and what they do. And I'm going to bring this up again, because I talked about this after the game. And I talked about this during the brief post game show. I had on 93, seven, the fan where I went all Lewis black for about a half hour. <laughs> But I, I'm I'm gonna say this again. We're not the ones who came up with this. I actually this was it actually it was what I wanted, but we're not the ones who came up with the idea of this team being this big, tough, physical bully football team. I know I wanted it to be that way, but I'm not the one that professed that it was gonna be this ethos. The organization did, the yeah. head coach did. 
He it started with it started out. with the owner, right? Started with the started owner with two the years owner. ago, saying started we need to run the ball. Well, and honestly, a decade ago it was the same thing before they hired Todd Haley. We had heard that speech a decade before. Yep. But it was the organization that came out and said, We are going to change the way that we play football. We're going to be more physical. And then the term of bullying people came up. And that has not happened for, like you mentioned, three out of the four games that we've seen. And now circumstances are dictating that you have to do that. So guess what? I don't even care about the whole changes coming or not coming thing. My whole thing is go back to doing what you said you were going to do, because that was one of the first things that came out of your mouth when this league year started was that you were going to do this particular thing and you haven't even done that yet. And here's the weird part. If they actually did what they said they were going to do, perhaps they're not two and two. Maybe they're three and one. Right. And going into Baltimore, and you probably feel better about their chances against a team like Baltimore, where you're pretty much required to play that style of football, or you will get run over. Fig- yeah, you, you figuratively and literally. Yeah, yes. you, you better be ready for a physical battle. So the changes aren't personnel-wise uh, on the field, anyway. And at least at this juncture, they're not going to be on the staff either. No change at offensive play caller. No change of who's developing the game plan. We do it together. It's a big there communal was, thing. We sit down yeah, there with was flowers a, in our hair. There was a small seed planted there that you could use later on, but right now it's not really anything that that anything that gives you the, the impression of it being something immediate. Right. It just so, I mean, he might as well have said, "I'll get back to you in January." Get, get, yeah, get, exactly. That's that because we all see the writing on the wall. I'd rather I'd rather he go full Nick Saban and Maria Taylor. I'm not going to tell you, so stop asking. I'd rather you just do that and get it out of the way. And that way everybody can say, you know what? Now we know what he's thinking and keep it moving. If you did that, I'd I'd respect that. I'd respect it. Because not at this juncture and changes or hell yeah are all just mojo now, right? It's it's all just a litany of things that are going to scroll up the screen at the end credits when the season ends. Things that Mike T said. Technically, to to use a, a previous idiom, it's popcorn. Oh, and popcorn belongs on the list too. It's popcorn. Uh, so if you know, you know. If yes, and so no change uh, with with Matt Canada's responsibilities whatsoever, which we did not though, expect to be. Fair. No, we did no, not. We we did we, not. Which, Chris, you and I, we Greg, we mm, did not expect it. To, to most people's credit, I believe most sane and rational people knew that that wasn't going to happen. That's okay? a very specific qualifier. <laughs> and sane and rational, which God knows through the first four weeks, we uh. have struggled to retain our little tiny thread of a grip on sanity and rational it's, thought. But here we are. It's hard out here. It's hard out here. <laughs> well, look, because when they go shotgun on fourth and one, and the oh, head God. coach tries telling you that the reason they went shotgun on fourth and one is because they couldn't be as physical as they wanted to because Dan Moore Jr. and Pat Fryermuth were injured? I'm sorry, Pat Fryermuth being injured precludes you from from being physical on fourth down? Now, here's why I regret not being there. Because I wish, and no one asked about this. They asked about the fourth and one, but no one asked about the third and two. Where Jalen Warren ended up in the backfield. Oh, where because Pat they tried just to completely whiffed, or where didn't they tried to run out rolled. of a pass look, and Fryermuth got literally yeah. moved. And I'm not even being, I'm not even being facetious. I'm being actually literal. 
he got moved from Hashmark to Hashmark. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's kind of impressive if you think about it. <laughs> like, it reminds me, Josh, of eighth grade of football. In eighth grade, I was so slow that they knew they couldn't play me at a skill position. But I really wanted to play football, and they didn't <laughs> cut people in eighth grade. So they're like, mm, you, you can be a guard. And I'm like, I weigh 140 pounds. I don't think I should be a guard. Like, no, 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 no. You're, you'll be fine. And they put me at guard. And the first game against Bethel Park, I think it was, some guy forklifted me about 30 yards downfield. And that's what happened to Pat Fryermuth on that play. Yeah. He got absolutely bludgeoned from one part of the field to another. So that can't be the reason you didn't go physical on fourth and one that you went shotgun. Don't again, don't don't tell me Mojo if Mojo isn't what you really mean. It it it's it's also it's also not the first time that's happened to him, but I will give him credit. It at least he's getting to the guy and getting hands on him because sometimes he just falls short. There was a clip, I want to say if it wasn't from if it was from the San Francisco game, where like he didn't even get to the defender to put hands on him. He kind of like went and barrel rolled and fell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it, it, it was kind of like a sort of a cut block, but not really. And... It was like a poorly executed swanton, like the dude from Ole Miss <laughs> after the LSU game. It just, it did not work well. It's like every time I see Kevin Owens go off the top rope, I'm like, he can't actually do that, can he? And I, he does. I, I actually saw him in person do that right next to my section. Last month, right? At, yeah. Last month of the pay-per-view. Me, Every nephew, time Payo goes friends. up on something tall, I go, he's not built for this. And then he pulls it off anyway. Pat Fryermuth, kind of a half sort of swanton into... Yeah. Yeah, I, I got an amazing video on my phone of Kevin Owens being like 20 feet away from us <laughs> doing that off the thing. That was legit. What Friar Move did, not so much. Right. So anyway, the point is, Pat can't block. Okay? Right. We're, we're fine right. with that. Stop yes. lining him up in line as a tight end. That's all I'm asking you. Yeah. Use and, him and as a wide receiver. And here's now here's here's the irony of him being hurt now because it almost forces you to do something different. It's kind of a blessing in disguise because now right. you get to go into a game Actually, game planning for a run game or your worst run blocker is not a part of it. And it might actually be addition by subtraction. That's yeah. the part where I'm looking. I'm trying to find positives to go along with it. And I thought Mike Tomlin pointed out one, too, and he mentioned Broderick Jones. He said maybe th he said he, he inserted them and things started kind of slow, but he got better as the game went along. But he said it might be better with a full week of game prep. A week with the ones will probably have him better prepared. Can't hurt. Are you are you? Are you ever really better prepared as a rookie for Baltimore? I'd argue no, just on principle, but I understand the premise of but, it all. But it, it all comes back to the same thing. If you're going to try to find a way to get yourself bowed up and ready for a physical matchup, ain't none better than this one. Bring the you ready for this yeah. one, you're going to find out real fast. Exactly. It's baptism by fire, which I'm yep. fine with. Let, let, throw Me them too. out there. I am totally fine with, with Washington yeah. and Jones and Benton and all those guys getting out there and getting yeah. that baptism by fire. Because this um, is what you said you wanted. This is what you said you wanted. These are the guys you said you wanted. And these were the reasons why you wanted these people. Okay, fine. If that is the case, and this is – this is setting the whole situation with the offensive coordinator aside, setting mm -hmm. the situation with the quarterback aside. Let's just break this down into simple, fundamental understanding. You said you were going to walk out here and be this ass-kicking team. Now's your chance. Go out and be this ass-kicking team that you claim to well, profess to be. And, and here's the wild part. If you pull it off just this Sunday, you're going to look up and be in first place somehow. Like, if ever there was a time to write the season, this is it. I, I hesitate to call something a must-win in week four, but this is as close as you get 
Because this is, like you said, your opportunity to get back to saying, no, we're a big, bad football team. And do it against your rival at mm-hmm. home and put yourself back in the winning column and in first place in the division and get the luxury of a bye week following. And it helps that this game, historically, not just recently, but I mean over the past decade plus, this is a game historically that favors you because it's very low scoring. It's usually a possession or less. And nine times out, 99 times out of 100, it comes down to the team that wins the turnover margin. It yep. pretty much comes down to that. Who gets to 20 points and who screws up less and who's the less injured? It's 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 Roland Presbalewski. Who wins more slowly? Yeah. Which is super <laughs> ironic because it's Baltimore. But it, it fits the whole mantra. This is that kind of game. <laughs> Can you win this game more slowly? Now you've got a chance to do it. I want to get into the Ravens specifically in just a couple of minutes. But let's let's start with the the one final piece to Mike Tomlin's press conference that everybody was there for to find out is what's the status of Kenny Pickett? Yep. Sounds like he's going to practice on Wednesday, um, which, okay, they'll see how it goes from there. I am of the mind, Josh. I don't know what you think. We haven't talked about this at all, really, before we started the show. I am of the mind that Kenny Pickett needs a mental break. I am watching him look like a deer in headlights. I know he's got the ability to make quick decisions. I saw him do it for the final two months last year. I saw him do it against the Raiders on Christmas Eve, against the Ravens the following week. I know he's capable of it, but he's freezing up. He's locking up. We need to hit control out the lead on Kenny Pickett's brain right now so that after the bye week, he's ready again to process quickly and make quick decisions. I don't need him going out there less than 100% against a team that's got a history of killing Steelers quarterbacks. Remember Mason Rudolph looking like the great kazoo coming off with his face mask somewhere in another part of the field. I don't need Mitch Trubisky, four interceptions. I don't need Kenny Pickett going out there, and let's be honest, he will, going out there less than 100% and scared because you want processing issues. You want holding on to the ball too long. It's going to happen if Kenny Pickett is out there at less than 100% this weekend against Baltimore. And let's not remember. I mean, I should say, let's not forget. Let's let's remember this now. The last time this particular team was here, a linebacker came on a blitz in the egg gap and scrambled his brain. Mm -hmm. So you can't tell me that's not going to be sitting there as a, a, a focal point or as a, a, thought, a, a point of contention. Because right. that's something you are going to remember. Hey, Patrick Queen, there's that guy again. Yeah. Like, you don't you don't want that on the back. You don't want that in the back of your well, mind, but there it is. So it, it all comes back around to, you know, A, is he physically capable of doing what you need him to do? If he is, fine, but you bring up a good point. We still don't know if he's mentally capable of doing everything he needs to do because he hasn't shown enough evidence of it. Which brings me around to whether or not he should play. I don't think it matters, really. Mm. Because if he plays not 100%, maybe not 100% mentally up to snuff, and if Mitch Trubisky plays, who loves to turn the ball over, throwing the ball deep in double coverage for no damn reason, or Mason Rudolph, who has gotten his brain scrambled by this same defense. Oh, yeah, let's not forget about Ben's broken nose by Haloti Nada way back in the day. So that's another thing. We add all these things up. and it's Where's Charlie? Is Charlie busy this weekend? Maybe. Maybe he's the guy who can save this team right now as far as winning this Charlie, game. Charlie, if you're the out there, you've done it before. Sorry. Go <laughs> help, ahead. Help me, help me, Charlie One Kenobi. You're my <laughs> you're only my hope. hope. <laughs> but no, seriously, it I don't even know if it matters at this point who's plays quarterback for this team. Give me the guy 
who's I hate to use the, the I hate to use the idiom because it gets overused already. Give me the guy that doesn't blink. Give me the guy who's not going to get scared and clam up and make the worst and stupidest mistakes. Cutting off my eyelids right I, here, cutting them off. Where's Where's Mickey? Get <laughs> go go get Burgess Meredith and have him go to work because whoever is under center for this team, it you you want to talk about having pressure on you already? This guy cannot go out here and mess this game up. Because it, there's so much, I shouldn't say there's so much riding on it, but it does mean a lot between being three and two and in first place going into your bye week or being two and three and not knowing how the hell you're going to turn it around. Right. And look, if the problem with Kenny or one of the problems with Kenny and Mike Thomas said this himself is that he needs to make better, more fluid decisions, right? That's pretty specific. It's very specific. It's he's not doing the right thing post-snap, right? He might be getting some kind of a read pre-snap, which I don't know how well he's doing there, but here nor there. Post snap, right. he's not he's not making quick, fluid decisions. He also said they need to stop extending plays early in games. He wants Kenny Pickett to go out there and be a pocket passer early in games, which is fine. I'm totally cool with that. Which is also which is also what C.J. Stroud did really, really well, exceptionally if, if the, well. If the Texans Sunday. get credit for something, they made it known to their quarterback. Hey, you got T.J. Watt on this side. You got Alex Highsmith on this side. You better get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball real fast, or they're going to be in your face. And just another example. Frequently and consistently and throughout the game. Just another example of the opponent playing to strengths and strengths and weaknesses this year, and the Steelers not playing to strengths and weaknesses. It's also true. Very true. But Tomlin, you you could hear the frustration in his voice talking about we need better, more fluid decision making. Kenny Pickett at less than 100% is not going to go out there against the Ravens' defense and make better, more fluid decisions. I'm sorry. Not, you're not, not in a week. No, not you're not all of a sudden going to fix the scheme and the system so that he's one, two, three, pop. One, two, three, pop. It's just not going to happen. So let the guy, and look, maybe this is their plan, and they're just talking about putting him out there on Wednesday to sort of keep things up in the air for Baltimore. Not that if I'm Baltimore, my, my planning doesn't change whatsoever, whether it's no, it uh, Pickett, Trubisky, or Rudolph. It doesn't matter. Um, if I'm Baltimore on defense, I'm hitting you in the face whenever I can. And on offense, catch me if you can. Because exactly. if I'm Baltimore, I'm running. You better so, come and get me. I, I just don't think it's wise to put Kenny Pickett out there this weekend against Baltimore, mentally or physically, for him. Speaking of what Baltimore may or may not do, Lamar Jackson, uh, we in our text chain over the weekend <laughs> – um, I, I sent you guys the video of that throw he made. It was from the perspective of someone in the, like the second or third row in Cleveland on Sunday. Um, that throw he made to Mark Andrews in the corner is Lamar Jackson starting to cook. That is Lamar Jackson looking as much like MVP Lamar Jackson, Louisville Lamar Jackson, as he has since those points in his career. And that has me worried because Lamar Jackson – distilled down to the runner is a guy the Steelers can somewhat contain, right? Right. They've done it in the past. And that's why they were able to do it. Because that was what his game subsisted on against the Steelers was his legs. Lamar Jackson, the passer, if that bubbles to the surface and is the focal point for Baltimore on Sunday, he and Mark Andrews and those receivers are going to eat the Steelers alive. Mark Andrews is Lamar Jackson's favorite target. Oh. We know this. We There is empirical, anecdotal, and film evidence to prove it. 
we know this. Here's where it gets scary. Because in the past couple seasons, he's come to rely on Mark Andrews because Mark Andrews was his best option. Right. Well, that ain't the case no more. Because they got a really good rookie receiver. We're in number four. And if there's another guy that you need to rely upon to get open to throw the ball to, he's wearing number four for Baltimore. You know how we know that? Go ask the quarterback for Pitt. He did it all last year. Yep. Zay Flowers had like 80% plus of the target shares for Boston College last year. If Zay Flowers can make Phil Dracovic look like he looked last year, what the hell can he do for Lamar Jackson on Sunday? You see where I'm going with this. That's exactly what I'm saying. So now, and this is in addition to the guy that he normally relies on, and Mark Andrews, for all intents and purposes, answers the bell more often than not. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, you and I talked about this in our in our group our group text with Greg also. We we keep acting like this dude walked in not being able to throw. And I'm asking folks, how much college football do you not watch? Because this dude won a Heisman Trophy running Bobby Petrino's offense, and you can't run Bobby <laughs> Petrino's offense and not know how to throw the ball. Right. You're going to throw the ball 80 percent of the time anyway. And this is what that dude did. And it wasn't like he put up pedestrian numbers. No, some of those numbers were kind of eye-popping. And he did it running and throwing the ball. So when you bring up videos of that throw that he made to Mark Andrews, I'm sitting there going, yeah, he can make that throw. And he can do it with a limited windup and a flick of the wrist. It doesn't need some big, jerky, big arm action. No, no, no. It's just there with a very clean, smooth flick, and it goes. And if I'm Baltimore coming into this game, and I know we'll get more into this as we build the game plan, but if I'm Baltimore coming into this game, I'm making them stop me from throwing the ball. Yeah. Cause why, why, why wouldn't you? They, the Steelers haven't been able to stop a top receiver all year. DeFabo put the numbers together. Hold on. I got to find the numbers yeah. DeFabo put together this week on the top wide receivers. Because he wrote a nice little column this morning about changes they could make if they're going to make changes, knowing full well, like the rest of us, that they weren't going to actually make any changes. So let me go through the numbers. Again, credit to Mike DeFabo, the athletic. In week one, Brandon Ayuk caught a season-high eight passes. And both of his two touchdowns this year. And I told you guys that was coming. Yep, 129 receiving yards. Uh, the second best uh, yardage game of the year for him because he put up 148 against the Cardinals. Uh, <laughs> week two, Amari Cooper, seven balls for 90 yards. That's the most he's caught in a single game this year. Uh, week three, Devontae Adams in a loss, but still 13 catches for 172 yards and two tutties. And he's been uh, doing that for almost a decade. Right. Nico <laughs> Collins last week. We saw him absolutely this, torch them. This is the one that's ugly. 168 yards. 168 Jeez. yards on seven catches for two touchdowns. The best performance of the season for him and probably the best performance of his career if I went back and looked at his game log. I think he'd be right. I think he'd be right. There's no reason if you're the Ravens, you don't use Zay Flowers to absolutely torture Pat Pete and Levi Wallace because you know Joey Porter Jr. isn't going to be out there. And here's the catch. If they do at some point make a crazy decision, crazy by their standards anyway for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and supplant one of those two corners with Joey Porter Jr., then great. You've got two options. I can either motion Zay Flowers away from Joey Porter Jr. because you know more than likely they're not going to have him move across the formation and follow him all over the field and man. Or, real simple, run the ball right at Joey because you know Joey is still not a great tackler. And so there are your two options. And the Steelers are not prepared for either because, as Mike Tomlin pointed out, you better be real gap sound in the run game against the Ravens because it's either going to be Lamar on little options or it's going to be Gus Edwards on these little traps and counters, and they have not been gap sound. If you attempt to run inside between the tackles, again, unless our guy Keanu Benton is out there, more than likely you're going to find some success. 
And we didn't even talk about either post game or in this show about how Levi Wallace failed to hold his gap again on the outside <laughs> against Houston. So there's that. Ugh. Yeah, it's it, it, if the Ravens come out as as we're talking about now, as we suspect they will, and pass to run, then what you're going to see is Lamar Cook in the first half throw a couple touchdown passes, and the Ravens will be up. I don't know. 17 to 3 or 20 to 6 at halftime. The Steelers will once again be in a, a, a the unfortunate position that Matt Canada doesn't <laughs> want them to be in that he said that he told NBC they can't come back from, which is multiple score deficits, which might and, be the most honest this coaching staff has been about anything all year, to be fair. Aha. And you will get the the Ravens just shoving the ball down the Steelers' gullets in the second half. And we haven't even talked about how there may be an interception or a a turnover or two from whatever quarterback may play in this game because there's an increased likelihood of that because Patrick Queen and um, Roquan Smith still walk the planet. So there's Mm -hmm. that. So uh, I think we're feeling okay, right? (laughs) Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, um, (laughs) that's a breakdown more or less of what Mike Tomlin had to say on Tuesday and how we think it affects things going into Sunday. We will, as Josh mentioned, later this week, build the game plan. Oh, one more thing I wanted to touch on because I brought it up before the show. And sometimes I like to take my friends and wind them up like Bill Cower on the Hurricane Siren in Raleigh. I know this is coming. (laughs) I just sounded like a dead cat. Sorry. Um, That was not a hurricane siren. (laughs) Our guy, Pat McAfee, on his show on Tuesday afternoon. The the new Yinzer King, I like to call call him. I love Pat. Um, He's new King Yinzer. He he brought up the idea of Ben Roethlisberger calling plays for the Steelers after the bye week if they they decide to move (laughs) on from Matt Canada. Now, first of all, I will say this. I have a suggestion that's slightly more realistic. It's What's Mark Whipple doing sitting around this fall with nothing Thank else you. going on in his Thank life? Thank you. I, I'm all for this. We had, um, Somebody suggested it to us on Twitter, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I have no problem with this. This is a not great idea. a bad idea. And it's um, not like it would be his first time with this organization. Or this quarterback, right? Okay. So that being said, uh, I like the much less realistic option that Pat brought up <laughs> on his show, which was Ben Roethlisberger. Offensive play caller for the Pittsburgh Steelers starting in week six. (laughs) That's not a golf clap, Josh. That's a full on firmly planting my palms next to each other, getting the cupping the palms to make a nice loud noise. That is a slow clap. clap If I've ever, we are building, we are building. Yes. Ben as play caller. Let's do it. I'm not serious people, but no, uh, he's not not serious. (laughs) He's not serious. Uh, That's where we're at. I think that exemplifies as much as anything else, how we are all just kind of like, you know what? I just rip it up. I'm done with the season. Yeah. That's that's, and that's a level of desperation that you don't want to be in after week four, to be fair. Um, now let me, let me, let me lay this out there. Let me, let me provide the disclaimer that I need to provide before I, lay any amount of criticism on said person I'm about to discuss. Mm. I totally recognize the fact that Ben Roethlisberger was the Steelers quarterback for pretty much my entire adult life up yes. until the end of 2021. 
he is a Hall of Famer. He is yes. a first ballot, and he is deserving of the honor. He is one of the most naturally gifted quarterbacks we will ever see and may never see again. That said, <laughs> that particular quality about him was what made him great. It was not his preparation. It was not his pre-snap reading ability. It was not his ability to carry out a game plan under most play callers that he had, mind you, and he had a handful of them. That was not his strong suit. Uh, uh, it's it's going to sound like, oh, you hate Ben. I don't. The fact that he was able to go out and improvise and really make cool. the best of a bad situation was how he was great. But you give him Ceteris Paribus when all things were equal and try to just do the normal thing, it just wasn't his strong suit. His strong suit was when things broke down or when things went dire. That's when it clicked in right. for him. His, his strong was suit was him. just being an athlete. That, that's what it, it was. Even you, when he was old and slow and his body was starting to break there, down, it was being roll, an athlete, being a backyard quarterback. And he talked about it. Uh, backyard football, draw it up in the dirt, and we just roll with it. That was football. his thing. His thing was not scripted structured, organized, if A, do B, if B, do C. That was not his thing. His thing was, hey, it's hitting the fan out here. Ben's like, all right, hold my beer. That was his deal. <laughs> you you can't take, you can't take hold my beer guy. No. And make, and I, I don't want to insinuate anything about like him having too much beer. That's not what I'm saying. But you can't take that concept of a person and expect him to be organized, detailed guy when that's what you need at the moment. Yeah, and I'll no. say this also, too, because we talk about his offense starts so slow. Folks, where do you think that started? This isn't a Kenny Pickett or Matt Canada or even Randy Feetner thing. Ben Roethlisberger, and this is one of those things where I'll, I'll, where I'll put the disclaimer beneath. But if he had any weaknesses, starting out in the first quarter was one of them. He yeah, was especially in the last strong, couple of years, he had to heat especially up. Especially last couple yeah. years, but like even in his problem, like there were all, the the days where he started out hot, those were the exception. They were not the rule. Starting slow in the first quarter was one of his drawbacks as a quarterback. If we're being fully and honest with ourselves, and if you think I'm kidding, go look up the game logs, folks. Yeah, go look, look at the, the drive charts. Yeah. They're there. The three and out problems. That's a decade old thing. It's not a three year old thing. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that he wouldn't be a great play caller, but it's just, I don't know if you want to bring somebody back in who exemplifies a lot of the same problems that your offense still has. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense because, again, to your original point, and there is a wide gulf between um, Ben Roethlisberger was not great at preparation, was not a studier, was not a Peyton Manning-style break-the-video-down kind of guy. And, and this is documented, by the way. Right. There's a wide gulf between that and Ben Roethlisberger is a hollow is not a, a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? There's a huge gulf between those two huge things. Huge gulf fixed. But people mistake it for thinking there's a razor thin line between those two oh, statements, no, and there isn't. Not. Ben can be all of those things over here that he he was not to be, to be honest. Like you said, he wasn't he wasn't showing up early. He wasn't practicing all out on Wednesdays, which was he, also well documented, right? He was a guy who just when when you rolled it out there, like you said, he would show up, especially in big yeah. moments. That doesn't mean he's not a Hall of Famer. He is. He, he's got two Super and, Bowl rings to prove and it. He showed up. He showed up big more often than he didn't in those moments, and that's right. why the that's why the legend grew so much was because hey, not here. The biggest example was on the biggest stage, Super Bowl forty three, the first time that they actually we saw that right. defense 
really not step up to the moment. And he's like, all right, I got to go out here and do this thing. And that was the perfect, it was the perfect scenario for him, for a guy who was naturally blessed with that ability to go out and show what he was. Nothing, and he didn't disappoint. Nothing more exemplifies what Ben Roethlisberger was. And it's funny, I just got done talking to James Ferrier about this, literally like an hour before we recorded this podcast. Listen to and, the Omama podcast. Yeah, Listen to <laughs> th- that. Thank you. Plug, plug. Because he breaks um, it down. <laughs> But James Ferrier said that was the, you know, they 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 were all shocked. Everybody on the defense is just shocked. They're standing there like, oh, damn, Larry Fitz just burnt us. And mm-hmm. we may lose a Super Bowl in a year where we had the best defense in the league By because a of mile. it. And Ben went out there and did Ben things. And that's, that's when Ben was at his best yes. in those moments. No drive more exemplifies a career than Ben Roethlisberger in Super Bowl 43 to beat the Arizona Cardinals. No That's, drive in the history of football, I don't think, more exemplifies what a guy was all about. That is the trailer. That's the thumbnail. That's the screenshot. That's yeah. it. On, and, gotta... and and that's what made him great. But I'll say all that to, to use this analogy. There are a lot of great athletes and great players in respective sports that weren't great coaches because yeah. they relied on their athletic ability and just their natural gifts to make them great. They didn't have to be as fundamentally sound. They didn't have to be as big on the details to be great. And that was Ben's thing. His his athletic ability and his ability to just not have to do the things that other guys did to still succeed, that was his hook. Not the other side of it that makes you a great coach. And I'm not saying he wouldn't be. It's just you need somebody who has more of those qualities now to get it's, you more focused now. And I don't know, know if he fits that. You know what I liken it to? And people, I've heard lots of people say this, even some people who were very close to him. It's like when Wayne Gretzky tried to coach. Wayne Gretzky had a real hard time coaching because of his natural God-given athletic ability. Wayne Gretzky just did things on the ice and then he would try to coach people. He's like, well, you just do this. And it's like, but I I don't, I don't, I can't do that. He's like, well, well, I don't know that. You know, it's the same thing. Jerry West, Jerry West is the same thing as great of a player and eventual talent evaluator and general manager that Jerry West was in basketball. Hell, he's the logo on the NBA as great as he was. You know, he hated doing, he hated coaching. He's like, cause I can't get these guys to do the same things that I was able to do. And Michael Jordan would never coach. It's why Michael Jordan didn't coach. And that's why Isaiah Thomas was awful at it. But, and that's why magic Johnson was awful at it because they couldn't get guys to do what they were naturally able to do. Magic Johnson is going to teach a guy to be able to have his vision. That's impossible. Just like Ben's not going to be able to teach somebody, Hey, just shrug off this 290 pound dude trying to tackle you and then run six yards this way and throw it 40 hours down the field on the frozen rope to a receiver in the end zone. He can't teach that to someone else. And especially when you can't teach being as big as he was to a guy who's not as big in Kenny Pickett. He he still might be better than Matt Canada, though. Which is a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Follow Fourth Down in the Steel City wherever you get your podcast. Download and listen later in the week, like Josh said. Uh, we will get you our game plan for how it should go down. Jeremy Kahn from 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore, the Big Bad Morning Show, will join us for a Ravens perspective on everything. We'll make our picks for the weekend. Somebody had a good Sunday. Oh, Yeah, baby. The hope brings you back. Uh, um, and I'll never sing I hate again. Right about this. I hate this. <laughs> uh, for Greg Finley, our producer, uh, for Josh Taylor, I'm Chris Mack. This has been another edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City.